0: We look at a game-by-game breakdown of the Ravens' 2022 schedule with a very special guest next here on Locked on Ravens.
1: You are Locked on
0: Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast
1: Network, your team every day.
0: And we returned here with another episode of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. Of course, we're here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked on Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. And we're back here. Another Tuesday episode. That means our Tuesday guest is here, Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown, joining us once again. Spencer, the Ravens. Making a couple moves over the course of the last week, they see one of their potential free agent targets go off the board and their schedule has been fully released. A busy week. How you doing?
1: Doing quite well. It is uh, finally maybe a little bit of the quiet time. The schedule comes out, so we've got clarity there and a couple more roster moves will likely shuffle throughout the next couple of months. and We'll get some more information, but for now, we're, we're into the long haul.
0: Yeah, and I, I would anticipate stuff quieting down across the league, the Ravens. Probably potentially making one or two moves. We'll see what they end up doing. But for now, they made a couple themselves over the last week. The first one I wanted to dive into very. Briefly, is the signing of Mike Davis, a veteran running back, obviously with the injuries to J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. I I don't think having a veteran on the roster is a bad thing. And that positional group before Davis was very, very young. They obviously brought in Tyler Beatty as well. What do you think of this signing, and will it have any impact on the Ravens' week One roster? Do you think Davis is a lot to make the roster, or if this is more of a depth signing for the offseason?
1: Definitely think it is at least a depth signing for the offseason. Davis someone who – Uh, can play with power is solid in pass pro can be a nice tool out of the backfield to go catch some passes for you and do some damage after the catch a little bit. Not someone who has got, you know, a fourth or a fifth gear, but a a solid overall running back and he's super cheap. So uh, I think that he's a nice veteran to have come in and be a professional throughout training camp. Um, Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins, no lock to be ready and participating fully by the time, you know, July comes around. So uh, I think Davis is is adding to that veteran presence in the room and nice insurance if one of those guys can't really make it back and does need to start the season on the pup list. So uh, don't think he's a roster lock necessarily, but don't think he's he's just a camp body either. And them getting a little bit ahead of the curve, whereas they were left uh, dry and high to so to say last year after the, the injuries to Dobbins and Edwards, and end up bringing in Bell and Freeman and Murray and a few others. So. Davis definitely a a decently viable option that's been all right for a couple teams over the last couple years.
0: Yeah, and he certainly doesn't skip leg day if you've seen that picture. It's something where his legs are insane. So if you haven't checked out that picture, you should do so because you'll be blown away. I mean, I was when I saw it. But, I mean, Spencer, continuing with the running back conversation, it's almost like if the Ravens keep three running backs and everybody's fully healthy, that roster spot would likely come down to a Davis versus Tyler Beatty. Now, the Ravens have historically not liked to move off of draft picks, Beatty being a sixth-round guy. I think very a high upside, very good player, but with the injuries and with maybe some uncertainties, I wouldn't anticipate the Ravens maybe keeping four guys on the roster if they're fully healthy. I don't know if Beatty gets on the practice squad if he's cut. Would you anticipate if the Ravens keep the running backs, would you – anticipate the Ravens keeping Davis the veteran or Beatty the rookie
1: um I would think you know if I have to pick one I would probably go with the rookie uh ultimately and and like you said they don't like to part ways with draft picks uh they did with two last year which is a little surprising so maybe they do have a new perspective in that sense but I think they like Beatty I think he has a nice skill set he's a promising player I think he'll be a really good special teams player a high intensity special teams player and I think I would Ultimately think he ends up being the one between the two, but I could also definitely see them rolling out, rolling out with both uh, if one, especially if Dobbins or Edwards has to start the season on the physically unable to perform list, or they could keep four backs this year. Uh, don't think that would be shocking in any way, shape, or form. So I, I think both have a good shot, but uh, I'm going to tip my hat to Beatty a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. And I also wouldn't be shocked to see four running backs kept I, th- I think it makes sense this year. In previous years, I would, I would kind of err on the side of all, oh, well, they should keep six wide outs and three tight ends. But again, with the Ravens wideout situation being what it is right now, talent, but very young, they, they have four guys who I think are obvious locks. And then after that, you don't really know. So if it's a five wide receiver room this year, you have the option to keep four running backs. The option to keep four tight ends, etc. So I think it's a realistic option they could potentially do that this year. But Spencer, speaking of wide receivers, I know we talked about Jarvis Landry. It's not an option anymore for the Ravens. He signs with the New Orleans Saints, a one-year deal. Is this something where you're disappointed about it, and you're thinking, "Oh well, this was the move," or is it more of a, "Hey, you know what? It's fine. You know, we'll, we'll move on and, and kind of look at the next guy." I
1: think it would have been appreciated to bring in the veteran leadership, some of the physicality. Landry, a player who typically can do a little bit of damage after the catch as well, move the chains, uh, but do find him somewhat redundant ultimately with kind of the body type, the skill set of a Duvernay, of a Prochet, of a Wallace in some ways. Uh, Don't think that skill set is the role in the Ravens offense that prevents them from reaching their goals as opposed to signing him, and don't think signing him is what takes them over the top uh, in terms of being confident in reaching whatever their goals are. So Landry would have been a nice player, proven veteran, you know, possession receiver can work in the, over the middle of the field, but they have so many bodies that can work over the middle of the field already. You have Kohler, you have likely coming into the mix as well. uh, Duvernay, Prochet, all those guys. So, I mean, even, Hey, Bateman can work in the slot very well too. So I think they have no shortage of guys that can work the middle of the field, especially after drafting those tight ends, Nick Boyle coming back possibly as well, uh, hopefully up to full speed and Mark Andrews, of course. So don't think Landry again was, was the real needle mover that takes them over the top. Right. And I think people almost it's
0: weird to say, but almost forget about Mark Andrews as a pass catching threat in this offense, because everything is so focused right now on the wide receiver position. And I think, look, I, I still think the Ravens should bring in a veteran. That's my stance on it. And I think it would benefit them to do so. But now you're looking with Landry gone, also a very durable player. It's now the injured receivers who you look at the list. It's Julio Jones, Wolf, Fuller, T.Y. Hilton, Odo Beckham, who is currently injured. So you have to kind of think and maybe account for missed games. Also, Landry signing a one-year deal. And I know we talked, Spencer, last week about how the Ravens, you know, at this point, one-year deal is not the best thing for them to dish out right now with their cap space overall. So, yeah, it's a little disappointing. Landry wasn't able to come to Baltimore, but I agree it was more of a redundant skill set than you get with a guy like Jones or with Fuller, et cetera, or even the Spencer, the Ravens making a another signing yesterday signing Vince Beagle, the linebacker, someone who has both inside and outside experience, a very good special teams player. It seems as well, someone who kind of fits that Ravens really good role player mantra for them. Is this a signing you're excited about something where it's like a camp body for you? Where do you think he falls in terms of making the opening day roster and just what he brings?
1: Yeah, I think Beagle's got a shot to make the roster for sure. Uh, A pretty decent shot. Has previously been with the Ravens outside linebackers coach. Uh, Versatile piece, experienced in blitzing fronts and fronts that like to ask a lot of their linebackers in terms of versatility. So uh, Beagle, another guy that is coming off of an Achilles injury, uh, I don't believe this past year, but the year prior. And, you know, again, just kind of like Davis, just ensuring you have some veteran bodies that are competent, that are up to speed, know how to be a professional, um, those things, but not something that, uh, really requires a ton of attention or a ton of gusto, but I, I guess it does rule out LJ Fort from coming back to be a Raven, most likely, I would think. Um, so moving in that direction a little bit more so. Beagles, a guy that I think is a little bit more of a someone you keep closer to the line of scrimmage, ask him to make plays in the run game, ask him to blitz, uh, be that type of presence a little bit. Definitely a physical player. So no, nothing crazy to write home about, but another another piece that falls into place. Yeah, and I think someone else who
0: is underrated in this potential versatility thing is Malik Harrison. John Harbaugh saying that he's going to work it and kind of cross-train at the Sam position. How big of a role do you think that will be for him, for Harrison playing the Sam linebacker position? It seems like with the depth that they have right now, which you're looking at two guys coming off a torn Achilles with Dias Bowser and David Ajabo, Harrison could have a bigger role at that Sam position, assuming he's able to cross-train and do it well.
1: Yeah, I think Harrison, especially in base packages, like 3-4 four fronts, 4-3 four, fronts, whatever you want to call them, uh, can definitely come down, and I think one of the best, if not the best, things that he does is shock and shed and essentially his block deconstruction on the perimeter. He was asked to do it. I think he played about 95 snaps there his rookie season, if I'm not mistaken, and looked good at times. I mean, he has a ton of punch in his hands. We saw him shock Quentin Nelson violently snap Quentin Nelson's head back in a rep against the Colts, had a nice game against the Colts back in 2020. And definitely a physical player. So I don't see him being someone they asked to do that on third down or rush the passer necessarily, but in early downs definitely rotating down in front um, as Bowser's coming back, as Ojabo is working to get on the field. I do think they end up bringing Justin Houston back. But OA, Harrison, Dalen Hayes, Houston, I think that's kind of the the rotation on first down a little bit more. So you can save Justin Houston as well. Ask him to to not have to step on the field as much if you're going to put Harrison in for, you know, four or five snaps a game in those situations. So definitely think that's uh, the role for Harrison and a little bit more of a niche. And he's going to continue to try and fight his way back into that lineup that he did get some good run in in 2020. Obviously, as the unfortunate incident uh, ends up getting shot, which was terrible last year and that derailed him. But he's going to have every opportunity to play special teams, play hard. And if they're giving you a chance to go get snaps, you better go make the best of it and be that physical tone setting type of dude uh, that can stack and shed and make plays against the run.
0: Yeah, I think he's he's a candidate to be an underrated player in this defense who can play multiple positions. And I agree, It could be a much bigger role for him this season, especially if he's able to play multiple spots on the defense. And he's a player that I I'm, I have high expectations for this year, so I'm excited to see what he ends up doing. We'll head into our first break here, though, on Locked On Ravens. Still a ton to talk about when we get back. We'll be diving into the Ravens' first half of their schedule, doing game by game breakdown. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still a ton to talk about on Locked On Ravens first. Though I do want to tell you a bit about built bar and imagine dipping your finger into a plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from built. And if you haven't tried the puffs, I'll let you on a little secret because that is what people do: a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. Yeah, you heard me. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Make every day your birthday with built's birthday cake puffs. Built has taken a delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake and put it in 100% white white chocolate and added sprinkles as well and they're made with protein which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits go to built.com to get birthday cake puffs now go to built.com use promo code lack 15 get 15 percent off your order use promo code lack 15 for 15 percent off at built.com we're back here our second segment of locked on ravens kevin i your host still here with spencer schultz of baltimore beat down and spencer this Ravens schedule it came out and honestly i was very content with it not a ton of surprises now There are certain nuances to it, especially right at the beginning and as well at the end where you're thinking, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I want to go kind of four games in a row with you for most of it. And then we'll talk about the last five game stretch in the final segment at the end. But the first four games, if you want your dose of AFC East, you're getting all of it in the first four weeks. Baltimore playing literally all of their AFC East games in the first month. Four games for AFC East opponents starting off at the Jets. So they're going to the Meadowlands there. Then they... Come back home, the Miami Dolphins in week two, their home opener. Go back on the road to New England at Gillette Stadium in week three, then come back home and play Josh Allen in a one o'clock game. A little surprised that one wasn't a primetime game, but it's what the schedule makers provided. How do you feel about that opening stretch there, Spencer? And what do you think the Ravens could go over their first month?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting stretch. I think it's the first time any Baltimore football team since 1983, back when the Colts did it, plays a non uh your own division slate four games in a row and especially to start there is pretty wild, but um, it's interesting. The jets, an interesting team, the dolphins, an interesting team, the Patriots, all three of them have quarterbacks that are looking to prove themselves right now. I wouldn't say any of them. You, you go into the season thinking, Oh wow, there's a quarterback you really need to worry about. But the jets, I mean, have weapons Add Garrett Wilson. They got Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, tons of guys there. Uh, curious to see what that offense can do. Not a huge Zach Wilson guy myself. Didn't wasn't super high on him coming out, but certainly in that offense, which is very similar to what he ran in college, you know, can be dangerous and a defense that's loading up. So a team that is kind of in a desperate position to start winning urgently, I would se- definitely say in Joe Douglas's uh, tenure and Sala in year two, you know, how long of a leash are you going to get for a guy? Uh, that comes from a successful program in san francisco has to then going to the dolphins Tua has to prove it this year this is kind of that defining year are you an nfl quarterback are you a starter are you a big money starter uh so has all the weapons at his disposal dolphins gave the ravens absolute nightmares last year but that was brian flores's defense um, which will remain in some ways but definitely looks like it'll be a little bit revamped uh then the patriots a team that gave the ravens a ton of trouble in 2020 uh trotting out you know that that almost wing T type offense with cam Newton. They didn't (laughs) differentiate from that terribly with Mac Jones Um, have committed so much to trying to become a a potent offense through free agency and everything of the sort, but defensively uh, a tough team, a tough matchup. Um, All three of those should be winnable games. And then you finally get a a big boy at quarterback in terms of skill set, talent, as well as being a large human being that the Ravens have tussled with a couple of times, get to see round three of Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, the bills, as with many others are, are on paper, you know, the favorite in the AFC, they go get Von Miller. Um, that offense has been flourishing. They're going to see Ken Dorsey become their offensive coordinator in lieu of Brian Dable, who is now in New York. And the Ravens will see a little bit later, but a uh, tough matchup, tough team, good team, consistent team, great quarterback. So definitely looking at that one is a game that you can can absolutely see yourself losing should be a competitive game. Um, one that, you know, if you lose, you're not walking out of there thinking, oh man, they, they never saw that coming. So uh, through that stretch, you know, two and two, three and one, I think are, are pretty realistic. Three and one feels like a, a good shot, especially considering health. If the Ravens can get in a good place, there's still so many question marks. Ronnie Stanley, the running back situation, Marcus Peters, all those guys. So, um, you know, two and two, three and one.
0: Yeah, I have them right around two and two. I could see three and one as well. I think, Health is going to be key, as you talked about, because if guys are just starting to work their way back and you're getting that first NFL action for them in whether it is a year or nine months or however long that timeline is, there might be some rust to shake off for some of these guys. But I think the Jets, a team that, you know, will learn to win eventually is it going to be this year, five years. Who knows how long is going to be? But I think for them, they're still you can never sleep on any team in this league. It's any given Sunday, the Miami game. We all know what happened when the Ravens played Miami last. And again, some changes have happened since then. But I do – it is interesting that in that game last year, the Ravens didn't allow the Dolphins to score their first offensive touchdown until what, like four minutes to go in the game, two minutes to go in the game. It was Xavier Howard with the fumble recovery touchdown. And then they scored offense – yeah, it was like two minutes to go in the game. So they were in that game, but it was just – it was a – bad game overall and people block it out and then New England obviously you can never count out with Bill Belichick and company Mac Jones again somebody mentioned has to prove himself and then that Josh Allen game is one that'll be tough as well so yeah I have him right in the two and two range there but then Spencer Ravens get their first primetime game. They play the Bengals at home Sunday night football. That'll be a huge, huge matchup. Then they go back to the Meadowlands play the Giants week six, Cleveland at home week eight, the second primetime game. They go to Tampa Bay to play Tom Brady's Buccaneers. How do you feel about that stretch? Some tough teams in there. You got the Giants as well, who will be looking to prove themselves, but another important stretch here.
1: Yeah. So that first Bengals game in primetime, the first primetime game of the year, the Ravens obviously looking for redemption. And it feels like the way that the Ravens and uh, the way that the Ravens were the team where the Steelers and the Browns and the Bengals were looking to build their roster, build their schemes and have answers for Lamar Jackson feels like that's the way teams are in the AFC North are probably approaching the Bengals. Now you need to have uh, the, the DBs to be able to hold up against a Jamar chase and a Tyler Boyd and uh, T Higgins and whoever else they can throw at you Uh, need to be able to play a consistent game and exploit some matchups against a a really well-rounded defense as well. So, a tough matchup, certainly, again, you know, Bills, Bengals, back-to-back weeks, two really good quarterbacks, two really tough matchups, and a team that has kind of uh, maybe found some ways to play damn good games against the Ravens through how they've built themselves, followed into playing Wink Martindale in New York, and someone that you're very familiar familiar with that your defensive coordinator grew under, and Mike McDonald, you've uh, practiced against each other a thousand billion times before, uh, Daniel Jones maybe is not him, but A tough game, nonetheless, on that side, and there will be, but I think the Ravens can certainly win that game. The Giants are are in a weird spot. Brian Dayball, first-year coach, feels like they're in a weird spot quarterback-wise and and don't have a ton of pressure on them in year one uh, without being able to bring in their guys offensively quite yet. So I think the Ravens can walk out with a W there. Uh, Obviously, the uncertainty of Deshaun Watson in the following week is quite interesting. Uh, Without Deshaun Watson, it's a completely different game. With Deshaun Watson, going to be a really tough game. Deshaun Watson, a hell of a player. Um, hasn't played some football in quite some time. Could be maybe a little bit of a, a lag when he starts, perhaps going to a new city, new organization and everything. So we'll see if he's there or not in the coming future, a little bit up in the air for that one. And then finally going to go see if four days later on the road, that vaunted Thursday night away game, where you really have no time to prepare for Tom Brady and the box potent attack, not ideal. And the Ravens don't really have a great history. We talked about the dolphins game already. We can talk about some Jaguars games and, Uh, Some other games where the Ravens haven't really done well historically on primetime games in the state of Florida. So I don't think you're crazy to chalk that one up as an L Uh, and then they have, you know, a little bit of a layover, which helps before they have to go in primetime again. But um, through that stretch, you know, tough one, another two and two kind of stretch perhaps. Yeah, I have them there at at three
0: and one. I I have them losing to the the Buccaneers. I think again, yeah, with all the, for is I think, content as I am with the schedule that's one of the things where you don't have a ton of time to prep and that's one of the nuances of the schedule I'm like really could it could have gone a bit differently for the Ravens but you know you you can't win them all the Giants I think is going to be a win this Bengals game in week five I think will be a well that'll be a statement game for sure it'll it'll set the tone I think for their week 18 game which we'll talk about in the final segment Cleveland I think yeah it it is an uncertain game I still think with or without Deshaun Watson the Ravens do win that game that's a home game against Cleveland I'll let them have that win. I think they should be able to take care of business in the Tampa. It's, it's just a tough game. I see, I could see them winning. There are situations I see them winning, but for now I'm just going to, I'll chalk it up as a loss, like you said, just because of everything that that goes into it. But what right into our final break here on locked on Ravens? We'll talk about the back half of the Ravens schedule coming up. Final record predictions for them as well, at least initial ones with the schedule coming out just a few days ago. Should be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about on locked on Ravens first though. I do want to tell you a bit about rock auto and, there are so many makes and models of cars, and they are increasing numbers as well, and it's impossible for your local-chain auto parts store to stock all the parts. And sometimes there can be pointless or even seemingly intimidating questioning, and you have to wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts in their computer, and you can only really choose what they have in their warehouse because that's just what they have. Well, you have computers now with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save a ton of time and also money when using Rock Auto. they family business. They've been serving duty service for over 20 years, and their prices are super, super low. So go explore their easy to use website today find the solution you need to your auto parts needs go to rockauto.com right now see other parts available for your car or truck all right locked on there how'd you hear about us fox you know we sent you amazing selection reliable prices all the parts of car whatever need rockauto.com we're back here our final segment of locked on ravens kevin all still here with spencer schultz of baltimore beat down and spencer we talked about that first stretch those couple stretches for the ravens in the second segment let's dive into the rest of their schedule though and we'll start off with that game that we'll talk about week nine the new orleans saints they play the tampa bay buccaneers in prime time in week eight week nine another one on monday night football against the saints then they have their buy in week 10 i think this is a pretty well placed buy for them you don't want to have it too early don't want to have it super super late i think this is a relatively good spot for them there and then a three-week stretch from weeks 11 to 13 which i think is huge for them i think that they honestly should go through you know in this stretch you have carolina in week 11 Jacksonville on the road in week 12 and then Denver in week 13. I think that's important. If you can go through, and you know, in those stretches of games, I think it gets you again, two wins against good AFC opponents. Well, Jacksonville, maybe they'll be good. Maybe they won't, but I think that stretch there week nine, 10, 11, and 12, as well as 13 is a big one.
1: Definitely. And a really tough game against a really good defense. And I think people discount Jameis Winston, a uh, guy that was six and two and looked like maybe an MVP candidate last year when he, unfortunately was injured. So um, coming off of, of that, you know, back-to-back road games against really good NFC South teams, teams that are super talented. um, You know, maybe they don't quite have Tom Brady, but the saints are a very, very well coached team. Dennis Allen, who will run that defense as he has awesome, awesome, awesome run game coordinator, awesome pass game coordinator does everything well. So I think it's going to be a tough game. I'm going to give the Ravens a loss there. They roll on through should absolutely ram sack the Panthers. I think we might see, uh i'm gonna call my shot i'm gonna say that's the game that gets matt rule fired we'll go with that um so i think the ravens absolutely crushed the panthers coming out of a bye there trevor lawrence and the jaguars could be a little bit sneaky the ravens have always had some weird games against the jaguars so throwing that kind of perspective onto it it could be funky i think the jaguars can give the ravens a run for their money but maybe not quite so i think the ravens walk out with a w on that one and then the broncos i mean russell wilson hackett coming in in his first year uh broncos you know, familiar with the Ravens for sure. Definitely a talented team Um, should be a tough one, but I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and give the Ravens a a W there, but that one could go either way. So I think the Ravens are going to finally maybe be able to roll through the second half a little bit more confidently. Uh, They have a a really stout defensive line this year. I think that's very underrated. I think they'll be able to do some damage to the Broncos run game. And with some uncertainty in the, in their past game, some strange things going on. I think it's an interesting matchup ultimately, but a tough game nonetheless.
0: Yeah. I'm, I, I go bold here i'm gonna say the ravens go four no in this stretch i think they'll be able to bounce back against new orleans although that team i feel like they are very underrated and it Mostly is because I agree people look at Jameis Winston and they say, well, that's not a top tier quarterback, but they have the pieces around him. And Jameis Winston is still a very good quarterback to be able to come in and make some noise. But I'm still going to give the Ravens the win there. The buy again, I think in a good place. Carolina, I think that's a win. Jacksonville, I think a win. And then Denver, you can never discount them. I think that's a win, too. But with that bye week, Spencer, is this around the area you like to have it? Do you like to have it earlier? Do you like to have it a bit later or Is week nine, ten, the area you'd like to have the buy?
1: Definitely think they're in a good spot. I think 10 is, is you know, that 9-10 range is perfect, especially with that 17th game, 18 weeks. It's still relatively towards the midpoint of the season and just a touch later. So there's a, a tough stretch there with the Bucs and the Saints. But then to have that, uh, those are two games that are going to expose your shortcomings and expose what needs to be worked on, where you need to trim fat, and what type of team you need to be coming out of that buy. Um, So I think that'll propel them and and be able to take real inventory of shortcomings, areas they need to focus on areas they need to sharpen. So I I like where the Ravens have their buy, including kind of the thought of opponents in this schedule as well.
0: Right. And I think it gives them enough time to recover. Let's say the Ravens do take a couple losses there in those primetime games. They're able to assess, as you talked about, and still have time in the back half of their schedule to pick up wins and kind of take what they learned and come out of that by, I think a better team overall, but Spencer, then the Ravens end four of their last five games or against divisional opponents. You have Atlanta sandwiched in the middle there in week 16, but first in week 14, the Ravens travel to Heinz Field, Week 15, another road game, divisional road game going to Cleveland. Then you have the Falcons week 16 at home. Week 17, Pittsburgh comes to M&T Bank Stadium. Then week 18, Baltimore goes on the road to finish their year against Cincinnati. How are you feeling about this stretch? I feel like obviously with the divisional games, this will probably be the definer of their season when it comes to potentially winning the AFC North or even just picking up a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, it definitely will. You're going to have four out of five games be against divisional opponents that should probably be fighting for the playoffs as well. We will see how the Steelers operate with Trubisky or Pickett. Uh, If it's Pickett, I really like the Ravens' chances against the rookie quarterback late in the year. Uh, Pickett also not uh, the type of guy that really I feel like is an immediate threat to to do some of those things that would be in uh, that classic Steelers kind of rivalry fashion or be able to maybe elevate in that moment. You do have that Falcons game in there at home. Christmas Eve should be a win, uh, especially if this is a competitive Ravens team. So um, that one's a nice little sandwich, but those games against the Browns, then ultimately the Bengals will define the Ravens season. And if you can't go, you know, two and two down that final four game stretch, I don't think you're looking at a playoff spot, but you, you got to be able to at least split them. And if not go three and one, and that Bengals game probably will determine a lot in terms of the division, in terms of the playoffs, in terms of seating, in terms of everything. So um, I, I will give the Ravens a benefit of the doubt. I believe they haven't played a game that hasn't had playoff implications for themselves since 2017, week 17, game 16. I think that was the last time the Ravens played a game that didn't have playoff implications in the regular season. So uh, I think that the Ravens finished this season out around a 9 10, 11 win team. We'll give them 10 wins, 10 and 7. Uh, somewhere around there, you know, they don't really have a murderer's row of quarterbacks to play necessarily, but a tough division, some back-to-back tough primetime road games against the Bucks and the Saints, uh, some, some funky opponents. And it's easy to look at the schedule and say, oh, this team was, you know, they're playing a team that was five and 12 last year. Oh, the jets. Oh, the dolphins. Oh, this, that, or the other. Uh, well, there's parody in the NFL about 50% of teams, uh, go. Missed the playoffs after making the playoffs and 50% of teams that didn't make the playoffs end up doing it. So that's the parody in the league and the Ravens missed the playoffs last year. Hopefully they're on that 50%. They're able to go back. And I think they uh, should be fighting right around to do it at about 10 wins with this schedule.
0: Yeah. Right now, initially I have them at 12. I think in the first stretch I have them there at two and two, then I have three and one in weeks five through eight. Then week nine, I have three, four, no. And, oh, and then, Weeks 15, or no, 14 through 18, I have them at three and two. So 12 and five for me overall. But there are a lot of games on here, Spence, where you can circle them. be like this is the season defining game and the Ravens instead of five primetime games they have three this year so in the spirit of three primetime games I'll I'll ask you what are the three biggest games on the schedule for you is it the three primetime games do you look at a game early on in the year like that Buffalo game which is I think is super important and then later in the year do you see a game there where you circle and say this is a huge huge matchup
1: well definitely that last Bengals matchup week 18 January 8th deep 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 in the season against the reigning AFC North and AFC champs. Um, I would look at that, that Bill's game early as a a real litmus test for a team that should be really damn good coming to your house. And by then, you know, you should have some new parts clicking and rolling. I think they'll really test Mike McDonald's defense. Um, And then let's go with, uh, let's go with that Broncos game. Um, I'm very interested by that one. Russell Wilson, a good offensive line, good running backs. They've got Tim Patrick. They've got Jerry Judy uh, Hamler got got a few weapons there. So those are the ones that I'm looking at and saying, wow, if you can win two out of those games, or even three out of those games, I think you're sitting really, really, really pretty. Um, and, and if they go three and oh, in those games, I think they're a team that could be fighting for a one seed when all when it's all said and done. Yeah, that,
0: that Broncos game is one that I am also intrigued by. I also have that Bills game is is one of those. I'm gonna circle it on the calendar. Same thing with week 18. I mean, I'm assuming those two teams will be fighting for a playoff spot in week eighteen. That's just it feels likely. So obviously, last game of the year against a team that either it could be for the division or for a playoff spot, that's huge. But I'm I'm going to circle that Tampa game in week eight. I mean, it's a it's a game where Right now, I do have the Ravens losing. If they can pull out a win against Tom Brady on not a lot of rest. Again, they play the Browns week seven on October 23rd at 1 p.m. They turn around, play Tampa Bay October 27th at 8.15. So not a lot of time to prepare, not a lot of time to rest. I feel like if they can get that win, it maybe could – mitigate a a bad loss somewhere else. Cause we know sometimes you expect the Ravens to blow out this team and then they end up putting up a stinker. And then other times you say, how are they going to win this game? There's no way. And they come out and they, they dominate. So you always have that parody across the league where you just never know it's any given Sunday, but I do think the Ravens have a good schedule this season. Not perfect. There are some, some instances where you're thinking this could have gone a little better. That could have gone a little better. But at the same time, I think based off what they had last year and just all the weird things happening, it's, it's a much better schedule overall, but Spencer, I appreciate you coming on. That's all I have for you here today. Do you have anything coming up as the uh, off season progresses and kind of dies down a little bit into the calm parts?
1: Yeah. Just going back through the last couple of years of tape, trying to find some, some interesting stuff. So you can find me on Twitter at Ravens for dummies. You can find my work at Baltimore Beatdown.com, You can find my podcast, Baltimore Beatdown Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast as well. So thank you very much for having me, Kevin. I'll talk to you guys next week. Make sure to give Kevin five stars and reward the man who gives you the best daily Ravens coverage. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you guys soon.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Spencer. The work or the links to Spencer's work will be in the description below. So be sure to check out everything he does on Twitter, podcasts, writing. He has it all for you and it's everywhere. So be sure to check it out. But that's all I have you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let me get back in tomorrow, I'll we'll be answering your mailbag questions and talking more Ravens football. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.